the Lord. Let's bow our heads together, if you would. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, that we still have a desire to be closer to you. Lord, we don't want to just know more about your word, and we do. We want to understand it better, yes. But we know that we could speak with tongues of men and of angels and have such great, tremendous faith to do great things. We could understand all mysteries. And yet if we miss charity, which is the capstone, your love in us, what have we gained? We've missed everything. So along with understanding, along with gifts, along with the anointing, along with miracles, help us to love like you, Jesus. Help us, Father, when we are persecuted, when we are tried, that we will be faithful. For we believe there's none other people quite like the bride as far as being tried the way she is. We desire to be like you. We want people to know that we have been with Jesus, not just because of the signs and the miracles and the wonders that follow us, but we want to also be like that seven-branched candlestick of beaten gold, of a character that matches your own. For we know the type of woman that you rapture out of this world really proves what type of man you are. So if you take out liars, that tells us what you are. If you take out thieves, whoremongers, wretched, wicked people, that tells us what you are. But you're coming for a people of like-matching character. Father, that's who we want to be. And we can never be that in ourselves. In our old nature, we could never be a Christian. You don't want to remodel it, refurbish it, and redo it. You want to kill it. And then let your own nature be born in us. So that we could then become partakers of the divine nature. And united in holy wedlock with the eternal. Father, speak to us tonight of your precious word, would you, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Ain't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah. Amen. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would tonight. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. We'll read uh, down through verses 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we know this word means hard to deal with, hard to cope hard to take. Perilous times shall come. Now, they were having it pretty tough whenever this was written in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, around 64 AD. So, Nero was already the emperor. Christians were already being killed. But Paul saw that it was going to be so much worse than what they were dealing with because he chooses a word with future tense perilous times shall. So it's down the road. Christians are dying. People have been tormented for their faith. And he thinks a worser time is coming. It's us. Amen. 
perilous time shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. Now, he could have mentioned that there would be the internet, there will be television, there will be cigarettes, cigars, there will be, he could have mentioned all kinds of things. But in reality, whenever he mentioned this, men shall be lovers of their own selves. He basically involved everything that involves every sin which pertains to self-gratification. Whatever it is, at the cost of others, at the cost of a wife or children, everything that would be involved in the loving of self. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So we can see from verse 4 the problem is a love problem. The problem is in their love life. Everybody does what they love. Now, come on, that's right. We, we do things sometimes that we don't like, but the majority of folks are going to do what they want to do. That's right. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. So now remember, this is not agnostics, infidels, atheists, but having a form of godliness, but denying the dunamis thereof. From such turn away. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. What a time. What an awful time. What a terrible time. What a dreadful time. But there ain't never been a better time to have been a child of God. This is the golden age. You imagine the prophet saying that in 1965, that he would call it the golden age. He said, if God would have said to me before the foundation of the world, I want you to preach. He said, now what age do you want to preach? And he went through the different ages and named them and talked to the different characteristics and traits of those days, the Lord Jesus and the apostolic times and all that. He said, but if God would have offered it to me, I would have chose this day. Because he said, to me, it's the greatest day. So what is it? It's an age of contrast. The darkness has never been so dark. The wickedness has never been so wicked. The wretchedness has never been so wretched. But on the other hand, the light has never been so bright. The revelation of God has been restored in the last day. I join my allegiance with the prophet of God. If the Lord would have given me the opportunity to stand and preach, I would have chose this day as well. Anybody else here with me? You want to be a Christian in this hour? Well, apparently this is the hour he wanted you to be. So if this is where he wanted me to be, this is where I want to be. Now, do I want to leave? Oh, every day I hope that it'll be my day. But this is not my ideology of a child of God, that I have such a miserable existence in this life. I'm so sick of life. I'm so sick of church. I'm so sick of God. I'm so sick of everything. That's not my mentality of God at all. I love going to church. I love serving God. Brother Donnie, apparently you don't go through nothing. When you get about three months, come and sit down with me and I'll tell you what I go through. 
through and it'll change your view. I go through more than what many of you go through in a week's time, what you go through in a year. But you see, I've learned that there is peace through it all if I will let the Lord help me. Or I can sit around with the mully grubs and feel sorry for myself. Well, it's pitiful, it's hard, it's difficult. Sure, it's hard. But the Bible still tells me it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And if God cannot keep that promise, I'm not sure he can keep the one about the resurrection. But I've got confidence in him. He would not make the promise if he could not keep it and back it up by his power. So yes, I want to go. Yes, I want to leave. Oh my. But Paul said he found himself in a great strait. That he wanted to leave, but he also wanted to stay. Well, that's why I am too. I can't say that I would want to live here any day longer, but I do want to stay, and this is the purpose in my life. I want to torment every devil that God's ordained me to torment. Uh, Let me bring it on down a little farther. I don't want to reach down into Hades or just the regions of the lost, but I want to be a tormenting voice to every person that's backslid away from this message. I want to torment every one of them that streams our services looking for things to find fault with. I want to be a voice against them at the day of judgment when I will stand there and look them in the face and God will use me as he does the rest of you to condemn them to the regions of the lost. I want to cast out every devil I can cast out. I want to lay hands on every person that I can lay hands on. I want to torment tormenting devils. I want to make nervous devils nervous. Well, come on, saints. I don't know about you. I was not born to exist. I was born to torment hell. I was born to be a child of God. I was born to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I was born, hallelujah, I was born to be representative of the power of the living God, and I want to do it as long as I'm here. Praise the Lord. Now, we can look at it in that respect or we can sit around miserable with God, miserable with life, miserable with church. Well, I can't wait to leave out of here. I'm so homesick. That ain't a homesick attitude. That's somebody who's miserable from everything from A to Z. I'll tell you one thing. When you get miserable with church, you better check yourself out. When you get miserable with the Word, you get miserable with the saints of God, you might ought to check your own oil because there's something missing in your life. This ought to be our heaven on earth. Our family, our people of God that love the Lord, getting around the saints of God ought to be one of the few real deep happinesses that we have in life. And somebody said, now in in looking in contrast to what the world has to deal with, let me draw your attention again back to verse three. Now this is speaking prophetically of course and no doubt it was already there in the age reading historically you can see that there was some pretty evil and wicked things that were going on when Paul wrote this that they would be without natural affection. They'll be truce breakers and we looked at it last week that no no matter what you'd ever try to do to make peace with some people they just won't make it because they love to argue. They love to fight. They love to fuss. And remember those people who personally the elect of God cannot be elect themselves because elect cannot persecute elect. 
It's totally impossible. Now, you remember Saul of Tarsus was elect, but he was not in elect position persecuting elect. He was still lost. He was unregenerate. But you never find Paul, once he was quickened to the elect seat of God, ever persecuting another elect member of the body of Christ. Is that right? So folks who want to make it hard on us, folks who would look for every aspect to shut down our church, Folks that would look for every aspect by which they would be able to get us in some type of legal trouble or whatever more. Remember, that is not the Holy Ghost. That is an anointing from the devil himself. Well, praise the Lord. Now remember the Lord Jesus said that it would be that way, that people would actually seek to kill you and think they were doing God a service. I've told you over and over again, I'll say it again tonight, there are people in this message, if they could get by with it, would have already taken my life. They hate me that bad. If they thought they could get me assassinated and get it done with nobody tracing it back to them, they would have already tried to do it. Now they wouldn't have been able to do it because I don't think my time on earth is done yet. So they might have shot me like with a 50 caliber machine gun and when I drunk a Pepsi or whatever more I might have spurted out like a sieve in your kitchen. But if it wasn't time for me to die, they're not going to be able to kill me. But that shows the wickedness and the evil hatred that is in people that we're dealing with at this time. And remember most of those are not agnostics and infidels. They just say, oh they're a bunch of holy rollers. Just leave them alone. But it's people that are anointed with a religious spirit. And the church said... Now, notice, let's pick this up again, that they will be without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers. Look at this word again, what it means. And the word false is diablos. Now, this is a word actually used for Satan himself. Diablos, devil, slanderer, prone to slander, accusing falsely. So isn't it amazing? Now we know, of course, slander has been around since after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Slander has been something that's been used down through time, and we looked at it through the Old Testament scriptures, and the book of Numbers uses the same word in the Hebrew format of it, that it was that the spies that went out to look at the land, and they brought back a slanderous report. Now what is slander? Slander is a little bit different than gossip. You see, slander can be a mixture of truths. It will take a portion of truth and then it will twist that truth and add a slant that will minimize the value of truth but maximize the value of a lie. So look at these spies that went over into the land and they spied out the land and when they come back with the report, the report was, according to the Bible, a report of slander. But did they start from the very beginning and say it's a false land, it ain't no good, it's rotten, it's wretched no but they said look at the groups look at these grapes we bought my we saw this group of people and that could be but oh but now listen you look at these big grapes and they're so beautiful and the land is a good land but it eats up the inhabitants thereon now remember whenever you go to getting around folks and they go to talking about somebody in the church or somebody else and they go to say well now they're a good brother and they're a good sister and oh my they're this and that and the other but Ah, now they're moving into the slandering gear. 
Now, you see, most of us would never accept just false and error and wrong and lies against a brother or sister that we love in the Lord, but slander will mix enough good that the person will try to convince you they're only telling you for your good to try to keep you from getting hurt. Of course, most of us, what we do, we tend to repeat that slander ourselves. I wonder how many lies we have told on people because somebody told us and we didn't dare check it out. Now remember, whenever someone is telling you a story, I've heard a lot of stories in my years of ministry. And when it involves more than one person, believe it or not, I've always found out there's two sides. But when we hear one side and make our judgment on one side, you know what it proves? You are a very foolish ignoramus. I don't care if you're a preacher, if you're a deacon, I don't care who you are. Now, if I look at you long enough, I'll see your cheeks blushing. Some of you's blushing through your mask. Don't catch your mask on fire now. You see, this is one reason why we're not ready for the rapture. Because we accept lies. We accept slander. We accept gossip. And the Bible tells us how to accept rumors by witnesses. But do many of us do it? No. Why? We think we're above the word. Well, come on now, Happy Valley. Don't get quiet on me. Well, apparently we think we're above the word or we would take our closest friend to task if they told us something contrary to the pattern of the word. We said, now wait a minute, brother. Now, according to the word, aren't you supposed to have a witness or two witnesses of this? Ain't that the way, what the word says? Well, I guess we might as well close and go to the house. Hallelujah. Now, look at one of the meanings that I found of this, this word, false accusers. It is those who strive ever to ruin the character of others, venting their malice by informing against and accusing others without any regard to the truth. Now, listen what God said in the book of Psalms, again, 101 verse 5. Whoso privily slanderous his neighbor, him will I cut off. The word cut off is put to an end to, destroy, exterminate, terminate, be annihilated. Isn't it amazing how if we smell cigarettes on somebody or alcohol or marijuana, we'll throw them in the pits of hell. And have a slandering tongue and think we're so holy and so righteous. God Himself will annihilate you. Now, listen, friend, this is not something to play with. This is what God said. So, for those who slander Brother Branham, for those who slander His message, for those who slander message preachers, for those who slander the people of God, they won't meet me. They won't meet necessarily you. They will meet God. 
at the day of judgment. And you know what God's going to do to them unless they repent and make it right? God will annihilate them. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I'm saying I'm going to have to use that amen tape tonight. Watch what the Merriam-Webster Dictionary said. Now, not only is slander a sin, but slander is also against the law. There's many slanderous lawsuits that are made every year because people try to slander, run down by slander and libel. And many people win thousands and thousands of dollars a year because someone tried to slander their character and their reputation. Notice what the dictionary says. The utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. Well, praise the Lord. So wonder why we as Christians would want to do this then. Mama. Wonder why that people who name the name of Christ would want to run down preachers that have given their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. And they would try to project them as something that's so fake. Why would people want to defame our prophet when he gave his life to trying to preach and help drunks be delivered and restore marriages and bring people back to the right mind and pray for people that had cancer and diseases and give his life to be able to promote the gospel and people that would try to promote him as a false prophet and a liar? Can you imagine the damnation of hell that awaits such people? Notice in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, he that uttereth a slander. Read it. Fool number one. Any other honest folks here that say you've done the same thing? Ah. Oh. Thank you, or you're scared to death of the brimstone and fire of God is going to come down and smite you, ain't you? So you stuck your hand up. Let's be honest, friends. We have been very foolish in our lives. We've slandered this, we've slandered that. Many of us have never even checked it out. But somebody told us one side of a story, whatever it was, we never even checked it out, and we went about repeating it as if though this was our business. Ah, now brothers, you won't have this quote tonight because the Lord, as I was sitting back here in the study before the service, the Lord's reminded me of this one. So you won't have it. You can do whatever you want to with it. I personally have made it a principle of my life for many, many years. You'll find this in 1958. If I found grace in your sight through God, take my word for this, brethren, if you want to be a blessing and get a blessing, when a man has done you wrong 
and he's absolutely just say, I mean, he has done you wrong and you know that he's done you wrong. He's done you evil. Don't mention that. Brother West, come here. Since they can't see it, I want you to stand right here with me and witness that that's what he said. Let me hold it out here. A little bit. Okay. (laughs) But you can hold this for me, Jonathan. (laughs) Don't mention that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Thank you. Okay. So why is it that we do? Don't mention that. Now, this is what we're supposed to do. But you take him to prayer before God. And don't take it in a way just a selfish and say, well, I'm supposed to do this. But stand with your shoulder to his shoulder. And stand in the presence of God Our Father, the way of prayer should be made in the presence of God and say, Father, here's my brother. He deserves punishment because he's done me evil. And I don't see why he did it. Then let God go to talking to you. And you'll see maybe what that man's been through. The devil has twisted him up somewhere and caused him to do that. Though he's absolutely wrong. Now you said it ain't rumored that he done it, but he's totally, you got proof he definitely done wrong. Before you leave the throne of God, you'll be feeling sorry for that man. But now what I wonder about tonight, friends, is for those who run us down, those who talk about us, those who do whatever they do, and if we pray for them, if we do say their name in prayer or mention them, do we feel sorry for them? Or do we stay long enough? To feel sorry. Now more than likely you won't get it by one of those minute and a half deals. You know, one of them quick microwave prayers the way we're used to everything right now. More than likely you'll have to take a little bit longer and get in the presence of God. But it will be worth it. Tell me how in the world can a mortal which has been so wounded when he has actually suffered part of his reputation. Now think of it, really this is one of the only things in life that we really have. Our money will be taken from us. Our property, our wife, our kids, whoever will fight over it when we're gone. All that you've labored for and your goods will be divided according to your will. You'll never take one cent with you. You won't take your clothes. You won't take your boat, your house. But there's one thing you will take. 
your character, your reputation, your name. So really our reputation is of great value to us. This is why we, we can't stand for it to be defaced. And we can't stand for people to take our character and try to smudge black and smut all over our character. And to represent us as a lying businessman or a lying preacher or a deceiving preacher. And you're a hypocrite and you're this and that and the other. Oh my, that's the deepest part of who we are. So when a person would go to try to do that to us, then for us to be able to lay that aside, that deep hurt, and go into the presence of God and begin to pray, God, be merciful to this woman. God, I pray you'd be merciful to this man who has said this about me. This man who's taken upon himself to do this or that or the other. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, be merciful to him, God. Don't let him be lost. Or do we sometimes think he deserves to go to hell? He deserves to be lost. He touched me. We're not yet like Jesus, friends. Well, praise the Lord, Brother Donnie. Now, I can tell you firsthand, this ain't easy to deal with. Whatever reason, my lot in life around the message has been one to be one of the most hated, considered to be one of the most reprobate that there is. Not only from without, but from within. Constantly new YouTube videos been made about me. <laughs> I don't even type my name in anymore. I don't, I'm afraid to do a Google search on Donnie Reagan. I've been thinking about changing my name. I wish the Lord would tell me what my word name is. <laughs> then all these folks that do a search on me, they won't find me no more. <laughs> Oh, I can laugh about it, but you ought to see me when I'm crying about it. To be represented as something that you're not. To be portrayed as something that is a million miles from what you are. It's painful, isn't it? You imagine the Lord Jesus coming to the earth and kenosis all that he was into a human body. And they said, say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. They called him Beelzebub, the prince of devils. They called him the lowest name that could be called. Now we think it's something else, whatever they call us. But can you imagine being almighty God in an act of condescension in a human body? You were considered illegitimate. You were considered a liar. You were considered a deceiver. You were considered the lowest thing on the earth. And then when you get ready to die, the spirit itself turns him, his, his back on you as it were. The angels of God hide their face from you. <laughs> you see, friends, 
I know many would not consider this sermon very deep tonight, but actually, this is the type of stuff that the sword of the Spirit divides the foolish virgin among us from the bride. This is the kind of life stuff that goes into the very dividing asunder and in the very morals and the joints. And it severs you from yourself. Some of you think you've done such a great thing when you quit smoking. That was just common sense. You think you've done a great thing when you quit, you give up alcohol. That saved your liver. That saved your pancreas and a lot of other stuff. But when you can come to the spot that the word of God can go down through the dividing and cut apart your joints and cut apart the marrow and divide your flesh and your spirit from the soul and you're able to actually look at yourself and finally realize I am not the son of Don and Betty Reagan. I am more than a bab. I am more than a Yance or an Adams or a Smith. I am more than that. I am a son and daughter of Almighty God. Lord Jesus. Notice his father gives my brother. He deserves punishment because he's done me evil. Now you see a sensible person is able to look at the wrong that the individual has done. But you see, the word is so divided asunder and separated their anger from their soul. Don't you see, when we pray in anger, when we pray in vengeance and justice, the Lord Jesus cannot answer our prayer. But you see, when we're able to pray like this, you're talking about a revelation, that we're able actually to say it. Father, my brother done me wrong. You, you see what he done. I don't understand it, Lord. I just don't understand why he did it. But you're able to even talk about it to God. Isn't that wonderful? You're able to talk about such things to God. What do you remember that only you mean you talk to God about stuff like that? I talked about God about little bitty tiny things. If there's little projects I'm doing, I'm building something, I'm making something, I'm putting a piece of 30-second veneer on something, I can't get it to stick, and I'm, Lord, please help me. Would you, would you help me? I, I can't work this out. I can't figure it out. You mean you're trouble, God, with that? That ain't no trouble. Me and him's buddies. Amen. He hangs with me. We're buds. We hang around every day. Well, hallelujah. We hang around together. If I don't understand it, ask him to help me. But you're able to talk about it to him. God, I just don't understand. My sister said this. My sister said that. My brother said that. I don't understand God. And rightly, Lord, I, I, I know he deserves punishment. Listen. And Brother Ben said, let God go to talking to you. And you'll see maybe what the man's been through. The devil's twisted him up somewhere and caused him to do that. Though he's absolutely wrong, before you leave the throne of God, you'll be feeling sorry for that man. You'll be sympathizing with that brother. Oh my goodness. 
Now, how is that possible? Because now, there's people in the church that won't even speak to you because that brother or that sister has told this half-truth, quarter-truth, whatever it is, on you, and people are shunning you because of that brother. Praise the Lord. Notice this. Before you leave the throne of God, you'll be feeling sorry for that man. So to be honest with you, I guess I want to put it to you in this way. I really wonder, should we leave the throne of God until we do feel sorry for that man or that woman? But of course, we're too busy. We'd rather golf. We'd rather hunt. Or we'd rather go here and eat or go there and do this and that and the other because we're just so busy. I wonder, really, which would have the most value of you going hunting, you going golfing, your sisters going shopping, or spend a little extra time before the throne of God until you come out of there and you thoroughly prayed through and God himself dealt with you in such a way that you could forgive that sister. That brother, that deacon, that trustee, your pastor, whoever it was that did you so wrong till you stayed so long in the presence of God until something within you changed and the word finally culminated and separated your anger, separated your hurt, separated that feeling of shame and humiliation from your soul and your soul prayed out of such depths And this feeling overwhelms you. And all of a sudden, you started feeling so sorry for that brother. (laughs) Before you leave the throne of God, what a privilege. Before you leave the throne of God, You imagine you're down on your knees by your bed. You're out in the barn, wherever you are that you pray. But in in the spiritual realm, you are before the throne of Almighty God. And it took you a little bit to ascend. You were praying. You were praying, you were praying, you were climbing. I hope somebody here understands what I'm saying. You were climbing higher, higher, and higher, and all of a sudden you move into them August courts. You move beyond one and three thirty, I've got to go here in a quarter four, I've got to go there, I've got to meet my buddies over here, and I've got you lay all that aside and you forget your schedule, you forget your time clock, you forget everything, and you keep moving higher and higher and higher. Then you move into those August courts and you know that you're in a sacred place. Let the phone ring, let your phone go off, let your iPad, your iPod, whatever more. You're not worried about any of that no more. I want you to listen how that he says this. And when you get back down to earth again, 
Children, this is why this don't happen to us more. We don't leave earth often enough. Now look, if you don't like this, get mad at God. I got 44 pages here laying in front of me, but for whatever reason, he wanted me to go this way, and I'm going this way. Hallelujah. Is it possible? Is it possible, my young brothers, my sisters, deacons, trustees, those of you that stream in the service, is it possible that a mortal in this age can get so alone in the presence of God that a part of them could leave earth, leave earth, and walk into the presence of God before the throne of God with what? Not just praise and adoration and thanksgiving, but with a broken heart. With a broken heart because they've been so taken advantage of. But they don't come with anger. They don't come with resentment. They don't come with an attitude like Elijah did. Elijah to call the full my them she bears out of the woods. Remember the prophet of God said that was not the nature of the Holy Spirit. It was the anger of the prophet. And because he was anointed of the Lord, he had the power and the Spirit of God moving on him. Think of it. And he calls two she-bears out of the wilderness and they come and kill and destroy 42 children. The anger of a prophet. I don't want that. Now get mad at me if you want to. I don't want that. I want to be like this right here. Oh, I realize this won't appeal to some of you. Some of you don't consider this to be a man. Some of you don't consider this to be a Christian. In reality, these are the only Christians there really are. Bride material I'm talking about. You see, this would be looked upon as weakness. I don't deny that. I totally agree with you. But it's weakness glorified. It's weakness personified by deity. It's weakness that most mortals over the seven billion people on the face of the earth, going on seven billion population, will never walk into this August courts with this attitude. They can't do it because they're not big enough. This person right here I'm reading about tonight is a big person. But they're big enough to get so little and humble themselves so small that even if they had the power to pray that God would smite them blind or strike them dead, they wouldn't do it. Well, praise the Lord. Let's read this again. Though he's absolutely wrong before you leave the throne of God, you'll be feeling sorry for that man. You'll be sympathizing with that brother. And when you get back down here to earth again, you'll go over to that brother and shake his hand because you know what he's been through. You can't stand with a mortal in the presence of God and condemn anybody. I don't believe, no sir, even if he's a rank sinner. 
What about a brother that has made a mistake? Though I say he's wrong. I want you to notice how he keeps emphasizing this. This is an individual that is so wrong and done you and I so wrong. Sometimes he's accused wrong when he's not wrong. But if he is wrong, well, if we will take him. Notice what you're doing. You're not going by yourself. Glory to God, you're not going by yourself. And you're not taking me with you. You're not taking your closest friend. You're taking that man that has done you such wrong. Which is what I've done to some of you. That has blasphemed my name and my reputation. I've taken you this week to the throne of God. And I forgive you in the person of the Lord Jesus. And I pray he does not lay it to your charge. Anybody want to follow that kind of pastor or do you want to bring your six guns to church? You want to bring your machetes and your knife and I'll tell you where that attitude will lead you. Lake of fire. Friends, if we cannot apply these simple principles of the Word of God, we might as well forget seals. We might as well forget thunders. We might as well forget Malachi 4. Let's just forget all that stuff until we can come back to the simple basics of Christianity and learn what being saved is all about. Notice this, if we take him to the throne of God and stand there shoulder to shoulder with our brother, knowing he's immortal. Now listen to this. And maybe his destination rests upon our attitude toward him. Dear God, so what if somebody that's so hurt me so deeply, or hurt you, Brother Jeremy, you, Brother Jim, you, Sister Linda, and yet their destination would rest upon my attitude? Then what if I'm mean toward them? What if I said, I ain't praying for them? Well, Brother Donnie, what if they cross the line? Well, I don't have that microscope. I don't have them binoculars. Maybe you have crossed the line binoculars. I personally don't have them. Now, maybe you know who crosses them and who don't. I kind of doubt anybody here does. But maybe you think you do, which is probably the straight of it. You just think you do. I'd rather be praying and hoping that there is help for them instead of sitting on the judgment seat of God when you might be judging and calling a serpent seed when there might actually be a member of the bride. They just ain't come to the new birth yet. I'd rather let God do the cutting off. I ain't got enough sense to know when mercy's cut off. You might as well be honest. You ain't either. You imagine the word that the prophet said, maybe his destination rests upon our attitude toward him. 
And when we come back, by the way, listen to the way he words this. It's as if though you've made a trip. Science authors, movie makers have made movies, written books, written dialogues about time travel, about moving into other spheres, either forwards or backwards. And there's a mystery about it to people enjoy reading about it and hearing about it. But can you imagine a mortal down on their knees and they get transported by the Spirit of God and they're actually carried up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's not the great thunderings of revelations and deep mysteries of God that they need this time, but they need to forgive someone. Maybe that other person may not even be bride. But you as a bride, you might be the very one that'll help bring them in. Lot wasn't a bit more bride than nothing. And it, Lot wasn't saved because of his prayer. He was saved because of Abraham. Remember, he'd he done him a very great discredit. He dishonored Abraham's office, never even sought counsel, the prophet of God, or nothing when he left. He could have said, you sorry outfit, you left the message, go ahead and go to hell. But instead he said, Lord, you won't destroy the righteous with the wicked, will you? Far be it above you, Lord God, to ever know that's not like you. No, 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 that, that's not who you are. What did Abraham become? Abraham the intercessor. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you imagine doing a, a plea bargain with God? God, if there's 50 left, will, will you spare the city? God said it through. Well, Lord, what, what, if, what if you can't find 50? Would you bring it on down to 40? Would you bring it on down to 20? Would you bring it on down to 10? You imagine a man standing there making a plea bargain with Almighty God. Not only that, our Almighty God entered into the plea bargain with it. Almighty God, oh my, kept lowering the number, lowering the number, lowering the number. Why? Because Abraham's found such favor in the sight of God. So what if a devil, a devil right out of hell, gets on one of our brothers or one of our sisters or even somebody that's left this message is not ordained to be bride but they're just foolish virgin. And the devil gets on them to say awful things. What if one of us would have become burdened to pray for them? And we'd take them before the throne of God under his direction. And God might turn them around. Or do we read one Facebook post of what they said? Ah, serpent seed crossed the line. You better be careful. There probably ain't a person sitting here that ain't nearly crossed the line between our blabber mouth saying this and that and the other. <clears throat> Preach, Brother Donnie. Amen. You see, it was Abraham's attitude toward the backslider that saved the backslider. It was not the backslider's attitude. It was Abraham's attitude. Did he change him to be bride? Of course not. Went in and slept with his daughters after they got him drunk. 
and had incest with his daughters. And then out of there come two more tribes, which was nothing but a thorn in the flesh of Israel the entirety of their life. Right? Notice this. When we come back from the throne of God, we'll realize, we'll realize we're everyone guilty. Uh-oh. Friends, that's what I'm telling you. We don't get through to this realm. Because many times we will pray, we will go down justifying ourselves, condemning the others. We will get up justifying ourselves and condemning others. You know why? We never left the room. You remember the prophet whenever he was there in Ohio in the meeting. And the little restaurant that he was at, the little Dunkard restaurant, had good meals and it was a little place where he could go eat and nobody would bother him and all of that. But they was closed, so he had to go to a little cafe type of a thing, playing rock and roll music. Police officer having his arm around the woman, he said, in a way it shouldn't be. And a woman comes over, he said, an older woman all painted up. Boy, he looked around and said, God! You let my kids raise up in this world. Lord, why don't you just destroy this place? Yep. True Elijah's spirit. I'm the only one left, Lord. Come on, you Elijah followers. We want to call fire down out of heaven many times ourselves. The sons of thunder did, so what do you figure us thunder boys is wanting to do? Jesus told them, you don't know what spirit you're of, boys. So the Lord called his prophet over into a little place of privacy. You'd have to have twins around your house to be able to really understand this. But Erica's girls having two sets of twins and them only been 15 months apart, having private time, Around four talking Parkers is a miracle. <clears throat> so they learned many years ago whenever they was younger that if they wanted to talk to you, like you, you, without their sister interrupting and their older sisters interrupting or whichever way that it was, they would ask for privacy. So that meant they wanted you and them to go in another room and shut the door and talk to them. Well, God wanted a little privacy with his prophet. So he called him over just far enough that he could call him into the fourth dimension. You imagine here's this police officer standing there with his arm around that woman. This woman made up with makeup and all this going on, a jukebox playing, all this stuff going on. But the Lord's able to move his prophet over for a little bit of privacy and he shows him the world. He sees sins, all that coming up in the blood of the Lord Jesus being like a bumper. Seeing it coming up and hitting him. Oh Lord, is that the sins of the world? He said, no, that's yours. Malachi 4, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, loving God, calling out the sick, praying for, praying for the sick children. Come on, saints. Amen. 
You see, a little bit of privacy with God changes us. So he comes back and tells that woman, lady, he said, oh, I'm with someone. He said, woman, lady, that's not what I meant. I was standing over there condemning you. Ah. Now what's he fixing to do? Go back before the throne of God. I stood over there condemning you. And he said, she told me a story that would break your heart. Isn't it amazing? It was God's time for somebody to come back. And there stood the only way back. A son of God, a prophet of God. And he had a wrong attitude. Now come on children, don't get mad. That's just the truth. That's what he said himself. Come on, let the man be a man. And before God could ever bring this woman back, he had to adjust the prophet's attitude. Don't you understand the culmination of the bride's position in the last day will not only be the last member of the bride being in her spot. Wonder if the last phase of part of our, our administration under the third pool will also us praying and standing in for foolish virgins. God forgive this one. God forgive that one. Because remember when we are gone, blood is taken from the mercy seat. God help us. Well, there goes that nice sermon all chopped up and burnt. Hmm. My, my, if I know that, I wouldn't studied so many days. <laughs> Hallelujah. Help me always to be sensitive to you, Lord. Praise God. How many will say with me tonight, Lord, I ain't always been right. I ain't always had the right attitude. I've been too harsh at times, Lord. Forgive me. Help me, Lord. If there would be anyone's destiny laying in my hands, these people don't know how it feels, Lord, to stand up here and to be held accountable for their souls. I get scared to death every time I preach, whether it's here, whether it's in Africa, India, whether it's 10 or 15 or 5,000. I've stood before 5,000 at a time. Lord, every time I do, it scares me to death because I know one day I have to stand before you and I'm going to give an account for the things that I've said. My attitude. Lord God, I pray that you'd help us. We desire to be true. We desire to be righteous and faithful. Lord Jesus, we desire to stand like a mighty army and not compromise. Lord, give us wisdom to know when we cross over the great firm stand for truth, and when we get in the flesh, whenever we get under the sons of thunder anointing, that madness of the prophet to call out the she-bears. It's amazing, Lord, how that the same Spirit of God was the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that anointed Elijah 
to go down to them prophets of Baal and kill every one of them. So there's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up. Oh, Lord God, a time to live, a time to die, a time to sow, a time to reap that which has been sown. Truly, we need your spirit to guide us. Lord Jesus, help us to be able to forgive those who despitefully use us. I want to be like you, Lord Jesus, in this aspect. I don't want to just lay my hands on the sick and see them recover. I've seen that. I've seen miracles. I I, I thank you for that. I've seen you do the miraculous, the supernatural. I thank you for that. You said that would follow believers. But this is also your word. To follow believers. To forgive. To love like Jesus. Imagine it must have been overwhelming to him that day. As he began to preach. And the words that he said were so full of fire. I'm talking about Stephen. And as he preached... It cut them to the very heart. The Bible tells us they stopped their ears, which means they put their fingers in their ears and would not listen to any more that he said. And they ran upon him. And the scripture says they gnashed upon him with their teeth. They had so moved under the beast anointing. They had turned to ravenous beast Religious people. They did not stone him because he preached against smoking or drinking. But he was preaching the message of the hour. And he preached so hard. He said, you uncircumcised, you stiff-necked. Oh my, you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers before you. He burned them up, Lord. But it wasn't out of anger. You anointed him with that, that type of attitude. We see it wasn't the anger of the preacher because when they gnashed on him, blood running out of his body. Human beings so possessed with Satan in this religious time, they chewed on this man's flesh, having blood running out of their own mouths. And the Bible says, he called on God, saying, Lord Jesus, lay not this sin to the charge. He knew who God was. He called him by his human redemptive name. He called on God, saying, Lord Jesus. How is it possible the first martyr of the New Testament had received the token life of the Lamb of God and he died the same way you did praying for those who killed him can we pray for those who run down our character our reputation these men were praying for those who took their life help us Lord Jesus forgive me Lord if I've not made enough trips to the throne forgive me Father if I've not taken those who have run me down and criticized me, maybe even those that will tonight after this service,
Forgive me, Father, for not taking them to the throne. Oh, maybe I took them to the basement where I, pl- I pray. Or I took them to my study where I pray. And I, I thought about them while I was there. And I pray you'd forgive them. But I never did actually make it past the basement to the throne. I didn't make it past my study to the throne. I just stayed there on the study floor. God, help me. Help me. Help me to leave my study floor. Help me to leave my basement floor, Lord God. And journey higher and higher and higher till I move into your throne, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. May we take this to our heart. Lord God, I I am so, so overwhelmed that you would take this service this way. I've studied for hours and hours preparing for this for tonight to resume where we were last Wednesday night, but you took it the way you wanted it to go, so we're just committed to you. Help us, I pray, Lord Jesus. Forgive our debts and our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. If someone's destiny would lay in my hands, Father, or the hands of some of these people, or some of these folks that are streaming tonight, and we could pray a prayer of forgiveness, pray a prayer of intercession, though they may not even be of our caliber, May we do like our father Abraham, move beyond our spot and pray if mercy can be given, that mercy shall. Help us, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord. Come and take us away, would you? Every day we live in this place becomes more miserable. More folks getting COVID, more dying with it. Our nation unsure, our politics uncertain. We can feel it among the people. The people are worried. The people are concerned, not knowing what the new year holds. In one way, we want 2020 to be gone, because a lot of us could say it's probably been the worst year of our life. But then, I guess that little fear thinks, what, what if next year is worse than this one? We don't know that. We don't know what 2021 holds, but we know who holds it. So we'll be able to face it, Lord, by your grace and your strength. Help us, Lord Jesus. So if you're not going to come tonight to take us away, let us pray this way. 
come tonight and strengthen us. If you're not going to come and get us tonight, then come tonight and give us strength to be like you, to love like you, to forgive like you, to cast out devils like you, to heal the sick like you. Help us, Jesus. Help me, God. Carol told me the other day, I cut myself Lord, and I had scars all over my hands. She said, your poor hands, you've got scars all over you. She said, but I know if I could look at your heart, your heart is so scarred. You're so wounded. She said, I want to stand there beside you that day when the king calls your name. Oh, Lord God, we all want to stand there together. I texted Brother Darrell not long ago, Lord, and told him how I appreciate him being able to work with him together in this life. That I wanted to stand there near when you called his name. Him and Sister Cheryl woke up before your throne and you called his name. And I can say, oh, glory to God. I knew him. We worked together in life. We prayed together. We fought together. I want to see him get his reward. Hallelujah. All the lonely miles, all the lonely nights, all the sermons when he cried back to his room and spent the night and sleepless nights because of what he had to preach. Oh, Jesus, it'll be worth it all. No matter what we have to go through, Lord. All the times Brother West has prepared for the young people's service and maybe felt like it didn't go over. All the things that he wished he hadn't had to say this and say that. But one day he'll stand before you, Lord, and I'll hear you call his name. Oh, Jesus. I want to hear you tell him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Please, Lord Jesus. Don't be a, let there be a one of us missing, Father. We want to be there, Lord. Hallelujah. How many wants to be there with all your heart? How many tonight would say, Lord, I want to love like you. I want to forgive like you. I want to be able to pray for those who trespass against me the way you did. And I want to feel it from my heart. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to pray right now. Maybe you don't want to say it out loud, but maybe there's a person or persons that you really need to pray for tonight. You might not even want your wife to know it, or your husband. And if you don't, just, just, you don't have to say it out loud. But maybe you need to ask God for someone that has so hurt you and you've really struggled with it. It might be your prayer tonight. The Bible tells me that when Job prayed for his friends, it was the final phase of complete deliverance in Job's life. 
And when Job prayed for his friends, it had talked about him, run him, run him down, falsely accused him. It was the turning point in Job's life. I'm going to pray for those who have despitefully used me, my enemies. I want you to pray for yours. Heavenly Father, I know this is unusual for us. We normally pray for our children, our wives, our husbands, our sick, our wounded, our afflicted. But tonight, we're going to pray for our enemies. Lord, we know that enemies can be made. I guess we could sum it up in a twofold way. They are made because we stand for truth and we stand for what is right. Or they are made because of some wrong or some sin or some something that we done that was not right. And I know that's the very simple basics of it, but we pray tonight for those, Lord, that have chose to be our enemies. Father, I don't say tonight we, but I want to come before you as I. I pray for those who've purposed to be my enemy. I pray for forgiveness. I pray, Lord, there'd be no man, no woman, no boy, no girl. Lord, those years ago who purposed to cause us such trouble here in the church and us still dealing with some of the aftermath of that. And two of the people that instigated it made the remark and said it would be worth going to hell for, for all the trouble they caused me. That tells me they don't have a glimpse of what hell can be like. If there's any mercy that can be extended for them tonight, I pray for them, Father. For the preachers that have purposed to become my enemy, for those on YouTube, for those who've left the message, and still they say they've left the message, but in truth, they are held in bondage around the gates of this message. In reality, they cannot live one week of their life without thinking about it, talking about it. Some of their websites mention the name William Branham more than message churches do because truth binds you or set you free. And many of them who have said they've left, they can never get away from it. Every day they think about it, but they don't think about it in a good way. Every week they talk about it. They search it. They converse. They'll never get away from it. For some of them, they've already entered into that phase of punishment by which they will be tormented by the very message they despise. They'll never get away from it. Oh, for those who can turn and walk away and never look back. <laughs> but for those who were held at the gates of this city and there they are bound, they'll never be the same again. But Lord, if there's any way some could return, I pray for them, Lord. I pray for forgiveness and mercy, Lord Jesus.
As Paul said, for those who sought to do me evil, I pray that God lay it not to their charge. Lord Jesus, you know and I know, and I'll go ahead and say it out loud so these people will know it. I don't just pray this for those who have done me wrong, but I pray it for me. Because I cannot change them, but I do have an effect on me. And I want nothing in my heart, nothing in my soul, nothing in my spirit. These people are looking to me to be their pastor. Lord, they may need me at 2 o'clock in the morning. They may call at 3 o'clock in the morning. They may call at 4. I won't have time to get on the internet and apologize for this and that and the other. I have to stay instantly ready because they may need me at any moment or I may die before the morning ever comes. So, Lord, I want nothing between me and you. I want to be ready, Lord Jesus. Praise God. How many wants that to be your heart's desire tonight? Praise the Lord Jesus. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just worship the Lord now a little bit. Praise the Lord. Which one of you done this to me tonight? I want to know right now. I want to know who messed up that nice sermon I had lined out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't you always want a pastor that follows the leading of the Holy Ghost? Don't we want evangelists? Don't we want men of God? Let's, let's worship him a little bit here before we go. Can we just worship a little? Praise the Lord. In Praise the, the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Lord Jesus. That's where we want to be. God Almighty. Sing it, children. Prince of Let me move beyond my closet, Lord. Move beyond my bedroom, Lord. Amen. What you need? In the presence of the King.
Sing it again. tonight but maybe you got a broken heart and it needs to be healed in the presence of the Lord God that was for a couple of people pointed to me <laughs> amen amen brother jeremy and brother mike played a little joke on me a few weeks ago and brother donnie got up that next i think it was next wednesday night and said don't get revenge so <laughs> he's had to preach on me a couple of weeks in a row about that but just give him a good hard time tonight amen <laughs> amen let's sing, let's just sing this course tonight as we go Amen. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Service Sunday at 11. Come believing, come expecting. 
Oh, we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. Amen. 